from a galaxy far, far away. And a bookshelf straight out of the 90s. From Thrawn to Dantooine, and everything in between, this is Legends Look Back. And here we are, coming to you live. Legends Look Back from youtube.com slash utini, or something like that. I'm pretty sure that's it. If you're here, welcome. If you're not, where are you? Hey, it's time for the show. Uh, we are coming to you live here on a Thursday night, May the 6th. 2021, looking at my uh, my Star Wars calendar over here that I changed a couple of days late in May, because what is time? It's nebulous. Speaking of which, I just read a Legends book with time travel. Oh my gosh, that was wild. That's for another show. And we just uh, are hot off the heels of May 4th. Guys, I want to know, how was uh, how was your May 4th? Was it with you this year? Were you with it? <laughs> how about you, Freddie? I was with it. Oh yeah. If there's nothing I love more, it's, it's getting a, a lightsaber taking it to the side of my wallet and just bleeding it dry. Because uh, that's Wait, exactly what, what happened. <laughs> <laughs> just taking my wallet. Oh, yeah, okay, okay. My wallet, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just bleeding <laughs> it dry. That's yeah. exactly what happened. This this May 4th especially felt like an egregious grab on my wallet this year, more than <laughs> other years. Is it always this way? And I'm just more I, financially yeah. stable due to my stimmies. I don't know what it is, but <laughs> stimmies. Um, it, it definitely has felt like a money grab, hasn't it? Yeah, this one honestly, it did feel like a money grab. I feel like uh, through the history, it, it's progressively gotten to that point. But this is also the first year where I, I probably received more text messages about Star Wars Day than my own birthday, which was fantastic. I mean, you know, who can who can disagree with that? That's um, so. that's really cool. It's one of the things I always love about May Fourth is my casual Star Wars fan friends come out of the woodworks, and then I'm like, "Hey, did you know I got a podcast?" <laughs> and so hopefully we will have a few new listeners tonight. If so, what's up? Also, want to say what's up to our guest this episode, Cheryl. Cheryl, how was your May the Fourth? Uh, it was good. I went to the dentist. Oh, uh, that's not what I would call good. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was good. I took the day off. I watched Bad Batch, had a dentist appointment, did the watch party with Utini, which was super fun. And yeah, I did not buy anything. So. Oh, the watch party. Don't even get me started. All right. I watched Bad Batch at 5 a.m. Thanks to those freaking birds that live outside my window that wake me up <laughs> every day at 5 a.m. This time around, I actually mean thank you to those freaking birds because I was like, good, I'm going to watch Bad Batch for my kids get up, got downstairs, made a cup of coffee, uh, ate some cereal, and it was excellent. And then when it came time for the watch party, my wife was like, all right, our friends are going to be here in five minutes. And I was like, wait, what? you telling me that we double booked over the watch party? <laughs> she was like, it's not in the calendar. I was like, it's May the 4th. It's not, my, my whole day is Star Wars. It's blocked. So for every May 4th going forward into my digital calendar, I've got it as a yearly repeating event. Don't make any plans unless they're Star Wars plans. That's great. It was great having our friends over and all that, but like, you know, why not May 5th? You know, we saw them the next day. Anyway, it was fine. I, I'm very disappointed that I missed the watch party. How was it, Cheryl? Did you enjoy it? It was good. I enjoyed it, yeah. Oh, my goodness. Well, you are having a busy month over here at Utini. We'll talk more about that in a second. And so, um, Meg, I didn't get to ask you. I didn't ask you, how was your May the 4th? I know you bought some, uh, some Bo-Katan merch. How many Bo-Katan-themed things did you buy on May the 4th? I mean... On the actual day, one. Yes. Uh, a conservative amount. Uh, but that doesn't mean that more aren't 
on the way, maybe, possibly. <laughs> I bought a lot of things. It's fine. My bank account's not fine. It's fine. You know, we... I showed a lot of restraint, I think, with what I bought on May the 4th this year. We had a lot of notice. Star Wars got their deals up. StarWars.com got their deals up pretty early. There were a few surprises on the day of. For the most part, like you could, you had some advanced warning on what was going to come out. I did impulse buy a Batu um, Starbucks mug, you know, because um, if I drink my coffee, I'd like to pretend like I'm in a galaxy far, far away. I've got a lot of, you know, coffee cups that I bought in college that are now wearing out and I paints faded that they're chipped and you know my kids drop them and so i was like time to get a new coffee mug i'm just gonna buy the one and it was like more than i want to spend on a coffee mug most of the time but it better be nice i'm hoping it's nice i've got a lot of mug envy i love coffee love coffee we love coffee here at legends look back but not noodles only coffee um i of course also (laughs) bought a few legends video games freddie i'm I'm wondering if like maybe this summer we could do a collab with game night where we like play yeah. some Dark Forces and Jedi Knight, Jedi Academy. Star Wars Galaxies. Yep. We do, oh, um, and there it is. Uh, <laughs> this is Legends Look Back because if, in case you didn't see the logo right there, here's another way to know. Freddie just mentioned Star Wars Galaxies. So without further ado, let's talk about some Legends books. Roll the tape. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Legends Look Back, a show that is proudly part of the Utini Podcast Network, because that's a thing now, a Star Wars books podcast for people who happen to like their Nokia flip phones just fine the way they were. Thank you very much, where we talk about all things Star Wars legends, celebrating our rich EU history, as well as diving into lesser-known Star Wars classics. I'm your host, Jared Mays, joined once again this week by Freddie C., who doesn't always caravan, but when he does, he caravans courageously. How's it going, Freddie? Hey, everybody. This is your buddy, Kermit. <laughs> oh, no. What was that? Somebody's been watching um, the... Uh, it's, it's great. So I, I got to tell <laughs> you, man. Show I've, been, Plus. <laughs> <laughs> I've been really into uh, Kermit the Frog and the Muppets recently. And so I've been watching... You, you mentioned the Caravan of Courage, Courage but I'm, I'm telling you guys, you got to see the uh, special Muppets with, uh, with the C-3PO, Chewbacca. I believe Billy Dee's even on there. And, of course, yeah. Luke Skywalker himself, Mark Hamill. So I actually had this written in the show notes a few weeks ago, scrapped it for something else, like Tamagotchis. I don't know. But uh, <laughs> I actually watched this one recently, too. I uh, watched them with my kids. They really loved uh, the little jokes and songs. And um, there's some little musical numbers here and there. The Star Wars episode, it's it's a little it's a little trekky. Like it looks more like Star Trek than it does Star Wars. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But then you've got sure. like the famous meme. I, I was watching it, and I was like, there it is. That's the meme. That's the meme right there. Um, the Palpatine over meme. With no, no, no. The meme of of three, uh, C-3PO, C-3PO dancing. dancing. Oh, oh, dancing. This, that's right. This like <laughs> the tap dancing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, that's the meme. That's the that's the gif. Um, that's the only episode of the Muppet Show I have watched, maybe ever. I was like, I heard that this hit Disney Plus. I was like, all right, we got some old Star Wars stuff, and I love the like inside joke they have with Luke being Mark Hamill or being Luke Skywalker, and then he goes backstage and changes clothes <laughs> to his then... uh, for his his what was it his brother or his cousin or something like yeah, that. <laughs> I liked that. You could tell Mark had a really good time. That's awesome. Well, uh, I wonder uh, what about our guest? Does she like the Muppet Show? Does she even have a clue what we're talking about? That is, of course, Cheryl, the star of Utini's month of May, or shall we call it the month of Thrawn? Um, we just sprung something on you here, Cheryl. Have you, do you have a clue what Freddie's talking about? Uh, yes, I grew. Good. I'm of the generation that grew up with Muppets Tonight Show. That was okay. like 
you were so excited for that to come on and I I love the Muppets and you need to watch more of it because it's hilarious. I might need like a curated guide of the top 10 best episodes to watch. I just don't know. I got a lot of Legends video games to play. Let's let's be honest. My wife's like, how many games did you buy? I'm like, don't worry, I'll play them. It's going to be great. I'll, I'll play <laughs> them. They're not just going to sit in my digital library. <laughs> But uh, that's great. That, I really loved the Star Wars Muppets collaboration, like the merch they used to have mm-hmm. back before the, the mouse kind of like rebranded things uh, around 2013, 2014 with the takeover. There used to be, I used to have this awesome shirt. It was like a recreation of the original Star Wars poster of, you know, like Kermit holding up the lightsaber and then Miss Piggy with her leg hanging out of the dress and the dark Gonzo. <laughs> and, uh, and then somebody stole it at church camp. Who steals somebody's yes. shirts at church camp? Oh, no. Tell you, tell you what, somebody <laughs> needs to repent. Anyway, um, if you're listening to this and you stole my shirt, you can um, hit me up on Twitter at Jared Q Mace, and I'll give you my address, and you can send it back to me. All right, I know it's been ten years, but I really did like that shirt. Can't find those suckers anymore. Well, you've heard her laughing there in the background, and I did not forget to introduce her this week. We also have joining us tonight, alongside Freddie and Cheryl, we have once again the tech of our bad batch, our buddy Meg, running the keys over there behind the screens. Keeping the show running. How are you, my friend? I am fantastic. And actually, I just took, like, they put out, StarWars.com put out, like, that quiz of, like, which Bad Batch member are you? I'm tech. So it, it all oh, works really? out nice. beautifully. Cool. Yes, it does. Fantastic. Man, I, Eric says in the chat, the most vicious kids I ever knew I met at church camp. <laughs> <laughs> that needs to be the title of your next mixtape, oh, for sure. And he also makes a good point that I made the whole bit about Bo-Katan, what you bought on May the 4th, and now I'm... Just looking at her stare into my soul every time I make a stupid joke. She's looking at me like, nope, wasn't funny. Wasn't funny. So what's up to Bo-Katan there in the background? Gratefully, she doesn't have her own microphone because I do not want to hear what she's thinking no, right now. I can't stop looking into her eyes. Meg, help. Okay. Well, uh, I want to ask Cheryl. Of course, you have been on the show. This is your third time on Legends Look Back, of course, always with us here in the chat. And most of the time. Most of the time here with us in the chat. One of our most loyal fans. And I would say, uh, of course, more importantly... A friend, a friend at this point, but I got a little beef, Cheryl. They're trying to poach you over there at Kanja Book Club. I uh, feel like there's a little bit of rivalry happening over Cheryl. We had some behind-the-scenes Slack convos about, like, hey, we claimed her first. Um, (laughs) Tell us about what you're doing over there at Kanja Book Club. Uh, Where you are, I was invited um, after volunteering as tribute multiple times (laughs) to talk greater good, Uh, which I have only got up to... Chapter 14, so no spoilers. Okay, I'm, I'm a bad, bad secret keeper. There's like one big twist. It's, in the, it's when you find out that... Wait, okay, no. Um, I'm yeah, going to keep it. I'm not going to say it. I'm also going to be on Star Wars Archives. Oh, yeah. Wow, you're really collecting these it's, like stones in your Infinity Gauntlet. Yeah. <laughs> so cool. Excellent. Uh, I haven't even been on that show proper yet. They talked about having me on and then crickets so hey looking forward to that um looking forward to listening to you on it honest honestly it might be my favorite podcast ever uh, of anything <laughs> i really love star wars archives they're doing a great job it's just right up my alley very much my niche trevor's like trevor and i share a legend soul in a weird <laughs> a weird way <laughs> freddie agrees freddie agrees um yeah. <laughs> well i really loved listening to your episode of conja book club can't wait again to listen this weekend uh, absolutely marvelous content over there loving your analysis of of uh, big bluey himself in his how many novels has thrawn been at this point one two three 
for, I don't know, like ninth or tenth novel. And we're talking a little bit about this tonight. Um, more importantly, going to be talking about Thrawn's first foray into the prequel era in Outbound Flight. We're starting our Outbound Flight roundtable tonight. Um, and I could not be more excited about it. But before we do, we have our recently renamed segment, Thracken's Thrift Store. Uh, my first thing to show off is my copy of Outbound Flight. I picked this up. Whenever we do like a big round table for Legends Look Back, I think like now might be my good a chance to go ahead and get my hands on a nice hardback copy. Went ahead and found this at a really good price in the Facebook Smugglers Alliance group that I'm in or something like that. This one is, I was disappointed when it showed up to find out that it is the smaller size. You know what I'm talking about, Freddie? You got any like this? Yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. There's it showed the, up. Uh... <laughs> I was like, oh, okay, that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> It's like a special edition, or what is it, the Science Book Club version or something like that? They, those were, those have a typically yeah. different size than normal. It is hardback, and it's in good condition, and it was cheap, so like, I don't want to complain. Especially, I just love the back of it. Look at the cover here. Look at Young Thrawn. Nice. It sounds like a rapper, Young Thrawn, um, over here looking, looking <laughs> hot and fresh, and this might be my favorite Thrawn art ever. Love this. Um, how about you guys? You got any new acquisitions to show off on the show? I do. I uh, I got this bad boy right here. Oh, don't here, even get finally. me started, Freddie. <laughs> I took it. It only took I don't know how many delays, but I finally got it. So I'm really excited to bust this open real soon. Yeah, this the, book the has artwork a, is so nice. If you're listening on audio, Freddie is showing off the Star Wars Insider Fiction Collection Volume One. You know what we're talking about. We've talked about it at length on this show. It, it after being delayed two or three times has now been released, and it's hardback, and people have it, and they're showing pictures, and they're freaking out. You know who else is freaking out? This guy, because <laughs> as one of the biggest Legends fans in the universe, I'm a freaking Legends podcast. All right, uh, I've been hyping this book. I love Insider. I've been reading Insider for a decade, and. I still don't have mine. It's supposed to be in in a week. I'm going to be patient. It's fine. That's wild. I just got a really good audiobook today that I'm digging. I've got a lot of yard work ahead of me. I'm really busy with work. I, I'm it's fine. I feel like I'm I feel like I'm talking to my friends about like after my girlfriend broke up with me and I'm like trying to, you know, describe why I'm doing okay when they are all looking at me like they know that you're not okay. That's kind of how I feel. I'm really excited for this book. I'm really excited. How about you, Freddie? You have yeah, you read any of it yet? I have not. I just opened it not too long ago, uh, and there's a lot of really nice art in here. Theron would love this book. Yeah, man. Think about the fact that that art was published in a magazine, so it's a little bit lower quality paper. It's been through the mail sometimes. It, oh, look at the, look at Plagueis with his big long head, <laughs> his massive nose, ready to snort some galactic power. Man, that is awesome. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and now it's being collected in this hardback format. That art can really shine. Um, I, I yeah. feel like this is a really great way to elevate that art. Get it in front of more eyes. What a weird conglomeration of stories. We're going to cover it. Uh, a month after it arrives in my mailbox, we will cover it here on the show. So <laughs> it'll be it'll be hopefully four or five weeks from now we'll get to it. We'll do um, hopefully the first real roundtable discussion podcast on this book. And uh, hey, Insider, Titan, if you're listening. You know, you want to give us uh, volume two early. We could be ready for that today of release review podcast. All right, all right. Maybe we'll see if they're listening. How about you, Cheryl? You got anything new to show off on the show? I do. I I also hit up the thrift books. And... Oh, that sounds heavy. <laughs> she grunted. Adding to my 
Hardcover oh, collection. Hey, nice. They're a little banged up, but they'll do for like six bucks each. Cool. Yeah, yeah definitely. Not bad. She's got Thrawn. The uh, we always have to talk about which Thrawn book are we talking about? We're talking about the first canon yeah. Thrawn book from what was that? 2017, 2018. Then we got uh, Thrawn Alliances, which is maybe my favorite mm. canon cover. Not my favorite yeah, canon I, book I though. Like, <laughs> I like the one with him and Anakin, but. They had like a special. Oh yeah, one, yeah, 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 yeah. That that yeah. one's great. Yeah, that was sucker is expensive. It's hard to find these days. Oh. And then Thrawn Treason. Yeah, excellent, cool. Yeah, those hardbacks look really good together. And then this one is kind of a holy grail. Mm, um, nice. Last Jedi. The, what's fun, Cheryl, is I just finished yesterday the Legends Last Jedi, two days ago. <laughs> and then here you are with the Canon Last Jedi. So now we just need one more that's neither Canon nor Legends, and we'll have a trilogy of Last Jedi's. <laughs> How about you, uh, Meg? Any new acquisitions? Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, first of all, sorry to rub this in again, but I got this. Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. And then, uh, I'm started here. sweating. Oh, I just broke out into a sweat when I saw I, that. I'm so sorry. I have one it's more an thing. Angsty sweat. Oh, I got it. That was good. I got. Oh, God. I got my uh, uh, first order stormtrooper helmet today oh nice um i did okay. i pre-ordered it a long time ago so this is not technically part of uh the many purchases that i made this week but it did happen to come this week so there's that that's good timing yeah you're what sorry stormtrooper? what what stormtrooper did you get <laughs> the, the first order one it like they just released it is it a funko no it's like a like a full size helmet. Full size. Is it helmet. like Hasbro or? Yeah. Oh, really? Cool. Yeah, yeah. like the new Black Series one. That's did nice. you hold it up? Did I see it? <laughs> did I? Did I just like <laughs> not look at it? Squirrel here. Yeah, there it is. You didn't hold that up here, did you? Yes, yes she did. I did. Oh. <laughs> it's really I? heavy, and now I'm sweating. There you go. I'm just helping Meg get her exercise. You know, we fo- I follow her on Strava. I know she didn't get it in a run today, so. Wow. Uh, oh, just- just gonna- <laughs> Sorry, no, no. Oh my God. Oh, no. Here's what happened, Meg. Right. As I, I was moving my window on my computer so I could see your beautiful faces on my other monitor. And so people wouldn't have to look at my long nose from looking over this direction the whole time. What a fun show we are going to have here on Legends Look Back. And I am glad that you are here with us. Um, after Thracken's Thrift Store, we have our next newly renamed segment, Legends Lookout. And uh, we are going to talk about, Freddie, one of the most... The most bizarre Legends phenomenons that has ever happened. I This was one of these things that, like, I even had to tell my wife about. And, and like, our policy is, like, she does not want to hear about Star Wars for any reason whatsoever. <laughs> but I was like, I can't hold it in. I got to talk about this. All right, Freddie, do you remember us talking about this bad boy? If I can get it, here we go. Heart of the Jedi. Of course. We did a roundtable on this, right? Yeah. The uh, Cheryl, tell folks what this is. Uh, that's the book that was never published. But that's right. It went very far along in the pipeline and never quite made it. I think, was it just before the Disney acquisition? No, this was old school, old school, old school. This was oh, this is um, like, yeah, 92. Like, this was back, written in 92. Okay, yeah, well, back I, like during Trusa Bakura. I was listening, but I wasn't listening. No, 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 it's fine. <laughs> it's fine. Um, this book, Freddie, all right, we did the first ever podcast roundtable review of this book on the internet. But over the last week, this book has become the number one topic of discussion among Legends fans. It has taken on a life of its own, unlike anything I have ever seen. Have you seen some of the internet buzz around this thing? 
I have. I actually I saw where it was on the sci-fi list, and I I I had to go back and search, and I was like, wait, is this the one that shouldn't exist? Yeah. <laughs> and it's, I'm so glad that you have it on this Legends Lookout because I I it I looked at it and I was like, there's no way. I got to talk to Jared about this. This is an absolute anathema of the Star Wars publishing universe, and like. It's def- there's definitely a Death Star coming up on the horizon, ready to blow this sucker up, like Alderaan. <laughs> Ifs in the chat for Alderaan and for this book, because I, you know, the mouse is gonna blow this sucker up any second, any second. Um, it's a, it's a loophole. It's a gray area, like a gray Jedi is what this book is. It exists in that nebulous space of is it okay to do this or is it not? The author Kenneth C. Flint, in in partnership with StarWarsTimelines.net or something like that, did a little over a year ago a partnership releasing this book to the public for free as a PDF as an, uh, for the, the Legends fandom to just take a peek at. It's not about making money. Um, we talked about the impact this made on this author's career and um, you know, the real-world ramifications of that on our episode a few episodes ago with Trevor, The Lost Legends of Legends. And um, they released this for the public. I printed it, uh, not for the purpose of anybody else getting their hands on it or making any money as much as I had a concussion and needed to read it on paper instead of on digital screens. I just needed to consume it. Somebody else had the idea, and they were like, instead of just printing it just for the sake of reading it, I'm going to print it and make it available for the masses. (laughs) And so somebody (laughs) made their Amazon listing available for just this Amazon self-publish it, non-profit, nobody's making money off this. It's just about um, people getting their hands on it, putting it on their shelves, celebrating the weird place that this has in Legends history. They did a really good job at getting the the spine right. I didn't care. I, I did care. I, I tried and failed. Somebody else did a better job, and they got it just the right size, and mine's in the mail. Now, Freddie, you mentioned this being on the charts. Tell people just how crazy this is. Where did it rank on well, um, on Amazon? You know, when when you go to like an Olympics event, there are three positions on that podium. And on that podium is Heart of the Jedi at number three. That's right. It made the podium <laughs> of specifically this very niche. Okay. If you just Google Amazon sci-fi bestseller list, you're going to find a dozen different bestseller lists because there's there's like hard sci-fi and hard sci with a female protagonist. And you know, I don't know if there's that one, but this one is specifically the sci-fi adventures list. Science fiction adventures. If you leave adventures off, it's not on the list. But it's on the podium, Freddie. It's on the podium. Now, here's what's crazy. This is number three on Amazon's as of a couple days ago. Today, it's dropped to number nine. I think there was a lot of frenzy. It built up. It's going to go back downhill. People are going to get their hands on it. Slash the mouse is going to blow it up. Um, it was ranked ahead of greater good it was ranked a greater good is at number was as of wednesday uh tuesday i don't know earlier this week it was at number six art of the jedi was at number three and that is uh that's crazy there's no other word for that but that's it is bizarre as the book itself don't you think freddie this whole phenomenon um it is it's it's bizarre (laughs) for many reasons one it it never got published. So how the heck did it beat Greater yeah. Good when Greater Good had all the publishing behind it, right? That yeah. that mega mega corporation money. And Yet the name here... Timothy Zahn. It's got Tim Zahn on it. Exactly. So that just shows you that, you know, George Lucas's whole vision of Star Wars with a young farm boy 
beating the odds. That's right. This is a real underdog story. (laughs) It's so cool. It shows that the Legends fandom is crazy. We're crazy, y'all. We'll buy this thing. We want the weirdest, most obscure things. In case you can't tell, I'm really excited about this. Because, yeah. Freddie, we were, like, right ahead of the curve on this, don't you think? <laughs> we, we could almost say that we are the reason. <laughs> All right. Now, here's the thing. I want to take credit, but nobody's giving us credit. So I don't want to just be here standing over on the sidelines like, hey, guys, notice me. Uh, instead, I just want to say, like, I'm just, this, this is just fun. This is just fun. Yeah. And yeah. the saddest thing is uh, Kenneth C. Flint isn't seeing any of the money from the fact that this has charted above Greater Good on this one specific list. Of course, Greater Good is on so many other lists, New York Times bestsellers and um, Amazon combined print and ebook and audiobook. It's on all the lists. This is on one very specific niche list. But I'd like to see Kenneth C. Flint um, profit from this, not, because, not, not from the book because that's illegal at this point. I'd like to see him get the credit he deserves. I just want to see him prosper. I want to see him... Maybe we'll get him on the show. Who knows? Um, uh, Mr. Flint, if you're listening, congratulations. We love your book. This was fun. We're enjoying it. And what a weird, weird phenomenon this is. Uh, what else is worthy of notice? Everything feels minuscule compared to that one, doesn't it, Freddie? What else we have for Legends Lookout? Yeah. Uh, let's see. We've got Boss Funko Pop announced. It's a GameStop exclusive. So, Boss... I'm, I'm assuming Boss. it's Boss, right? No, Boss from from. <laughs> I don't I don't collect Funko, so you gotta you gotta help me out here. Nick, <laughs> which Funko is this? What does tell Freddie what Funko we're talking about? It is. Oh, uh, uh. <laughs> <laughs> it's the Republic it's... Commando figure. It was announced yeah. on May fourth. Meg was very busy on May fourth buying Bo-Katans. I... Oh, I was I bought so many Funkos. It's fine, <laughs> but I also bought this one. So there you go. <laughs> yes, yes. The uh, the boss Funko. It's a Legends Funko, right? He's in the Republic Commando novels. He's in Republic Commando the game that I bought, but it's not going to come in for like another six months, seven months. I've got other stuff to play in the meantime, but I'm going to be excited about it when it gets here, and it's going to go on Does display. Does he have red, a red yeah. paint on his? Okay, okay. And then like the blue T-visor. It's a yep. beautiful Funko, absolutely gorgeous. Yeah. And then finally, we've got one Marvel Epic Collection that is coming out soon. This one's been getting delayed for me on Amazon in my cart. Don't know what's happening there. Uh, but the Legends, Marvel Legends Epic Collection Old Republic Volume 4, which collects a lot of the comics. These have such crazy names. A lot of the comics from the Old Republic series that tie into the Star Wars Old Republic video game. Not to be confused with the other Old Republic comics that have nothing to do with the video game. <laughs> this one is coming out on June 8th. And uh, after it's been out for a month, we're going to review it right here on the show. I've never actually read all of these. I've read a few uh, assorted bits and pieces. I remember absolutely nothing from yeah. these. So it's going to be like reading it for the first time, and I'm excited. I've been, I've been trying to play through the Old Republic for like two years. Maybe I'll get it done in time just because of this. We'll see. Hey, you know what we are going to do? We're going to talk about this wonderful book. And is it in my top 10 Legends books? You can find out in just a minute. We're talking about Outbound Flight. Of course, this is a big year for Timothy Zahn. It's a big year for Thrawn, isn't it? This is the 30th anniversary since readers were introduced to Big Bluey himself, Grand Admiral Thrawn, in Timothy Zahn's seminal breakout novel and the number one Times New York, number one New York Times bestseller heir to the Empire. Not to be confused with Heir to the Jedi, which is uh, one of Meg's personal faves, <laughs> or Heart of the Jedi, which is one of everybody's personal faves right now. Heir to the Empire. There's a lot of HTT somethings 
in Star Wars, I've noticed. Um, you got heir to the Empire, heir to the Jedi, heir to the part of the... Oh, my goodness. It's been 30 years since we met Thrawn. Not only did it kickstart the expanded universe, as we know it, it introduced one of the most enduring characters to ever capture the hearts and imaginations of Star Wars fans, young and old. Since then, you know, Thrawn has gone on to make the move into canon content with his appearances in Star Wars Rebels, a name drop in The Mandalorian Season 2. He's now midway through his second canon trilogy of novels with Thrawn Ascendancy Greater Good, having just been released on April 27th. So today we're going to talk about his first big step into the larger world, his first prequel novel, Outbound Flight, and goodness that I love this book. Man, I cannot believe how much I loved it on the reread. Didn't, didn't care for it much on the first time around. We'll talk more about that in a second. Um, Cheryl, Cheryl, uh, to start us off, tell us when this book was first released. Um, when did folks first get their hands on this sucker? Uh, I don't have that part of the show. Now. Oh, you don't have that part. Okay, well, take a guess. <laughs> when do you think it was released? Take a gamble. Um, Roll the dice. It was released in 2006, I think. Yes. Bing, bing, bing. That's right. Correct. Good job. Yeah. See, you didn't even have to reveal your hand. You could have just been like Thrawn and say, perhaps it was 2006. <laughs> All right. Perhaps uh, it's been a, definitely a hot word for Thrawn lately. Um, <laughs> of course, when this came out in 2006, this was early in the timeline. This was uh, 27 before the Battle of Yavin. It's five years after the Battle of Naboo, which placed us at, what, five years before um, Attack of the Clones. This is a young upstart Thrawn. He's got some victories under his belt, but it's definitely still so far from where we meet him in after Return of the Jedi, not just after Attack of the Clones. After Return of the Jedi in the Thrawn trilogy, we're going way back with this bad boy. Interestingly enough, Freddy, the paperback includes a short story. Boy, I almost wanted to say that in a British accent because I'm um, thinking about my, our buddy Trevor across the pond. <laughs> I say the words short story, Mist Encounter. You ever read Mist Encounter, Freddy? Yeah, actually, I I, uh, I was reading it just before the show. I didn't get to finish oh, cool. all of it, but but uh, it it's uh, one of those short stories that I've asked a lot of people. I was like, have you read Mist Encounter? I feel like it, it gets passed up pretty often. Now, from what I remember about it, and it's been a long time, I think it actually is incorporated into the Thrawn canon novel that uh, Cheryl's showing off for us there. Mm -hmm. Is that right, Cheryl? It is basically verbatim <laughs> where, cool. how we meet Thrawn in this novel, um, except for the exclusion of Eli Vanto, because in Outbound Flight, Cardas kind of takes the role yeah. of Eli Vanto. For yeah. Do you mean Eli Vanto? Eli Vanto. The way he's pronounced in the audiobooks. <laughs> oh, the I don't listen accent. to the audiobooks, yeah. so I don't... Hi, everybody. I'm Eli Vanto. I know. I need to read the Eli Vanto Thrawn books. I need to read them uh, with my eyes yeah. instead of listening to the audiobooks, because that, as a Southerner, the Eli Vanto Southern accent really takes me out of it. All I'm doing is I'm hearing the the Lars Mikkelsen Thrawn voice, and I'm not hearing oh, anything man. Thrawn's saying, and then I'm hearing the Southern accent, and I'm not hearing anything that Vanto's saying. <laughs> So I need to actually sit down and read those books one of these days. But it's crazy that Zahn, who, what other author could get away with that? Just copy pasting their <laughs> their legend so short true. story I mean, into a so canon good. book. How could you not? You're just like, this is great. I'm just going to reuse that. He he borrows a lot from his legend. Yeah, he stuff. does. We'll talk more about he that. I, I want to, I'll have to read that. All right, this weekend, follow along the Legends Look Back Discord channel. I'm going to read it this weekend. We'll see. Yeah, did Rail Everos just enter the show? Eric says that's right. Rail Everos sounds a whole lot like Eli Vanto. You know what I'm saying? Um, yeah, looking forward to reading this. Now, this book also ties in interestingly enough with another Timothy Zahn book. Cheryl, tell the folks about Survivor's Quest. 
Yeah, Survivor's Quest is um, a prequel to Outbound Flight, sort of? No. It's both a prequel know. and a sequel. Yeah. yeah, so when did Survivor's <laughs> Quest get published? Yeah, I think it was published first. Let me see. Oh, it's got maps. It's got art. That's gorgeous. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Look at yeah. that. That's so cool. Oh, yeah. I feel like Thrawn. You think Thrawn does that every time he opens up a book and finds art in it? Oh, guys, look, there's art in there. Um, <laughs> 2004. Yes. Yeah, so beat it by two years. Oh, okay. So, yeah, which makes sense. Cause it's a very Star Wars thing to do, isn't it? It's them trying to figure out what happened to Outbound Flight. Yes. Mm-hmm. Right. After the fact. Decades after the fact. So it's Luke. Mm-hmm. It's a, it's a, it's a, Luke. I said Mook. Luke and Mara's honeymoon <laughs> adventure. Right, they're newlyweds. Is, like the, is, that, is that like the Raylo of of the uh, original trilogy, Mook? Yeah, it's their celebrity couple name, Luke and Mara. Yeah. Oh my, or Lara, like my like my aunt down in Arkansas. All right, um, they they of course uh, wrote this book in two thousand four, telling about Luke and Mara going and and discovering what had happened to Outbound Flight, and then Timothy Zahn, a couple years later, gets his chance to tell what happened to Outbound Flight in the prequel era. So, very interesting relationship. We'll talk more about that in our next episode. The basic idea in is that in 22 years after the Battle of Yavin, so, what, 50 years after this, Chiss explorers discover the remains of Outbound Flight, and um, the newlyweds, Luke and Mara, team up with the Chiss, the Imperial Remnant, as well to investigate so you've got these like three different parties and it's kind of this love triangle of politics and standoffs and uh, a lot of posturing um and then the 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 one thing i remember one thing and one thing only from this book is luke faces off against destroyer droids like uh Mm -hmm. like droid dukas and i remember at legends fans back in the day we were like whoa luke is fighting against droid dukas and it was just it was really cool at the time really awesome I mean, when else does that happen other than when you're playing with your Legos, right? Um, <laughs> it's, you know, you just recently reread this, didn't you, Cheryl? Yeah, I had never read it before, and I was going to read Outbound Flight, and shout out to uh, Mike and Joey told me, no, 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 if you haven't read Survivor's Quest yet, read Survivor's Quest first, and then read Outbound Flight. I'm going to do the opposite. I'm going to read Survivor's Quest next. Now, I've read, it, I've read them both before, but... I I don't know that you have to read it first, and we'll talk more about that. Which one you think is necessary to read first? So, but that's uh, in in terms of the behind the scenes, the trivia leading up to us covering Outbound Flight. There you go. That's about all we've got to say on this. Uh, anything else we've missed in terms of like the little little nuggets? You got any nuggets for us, Freddie, on Outbound Flight? Um, <laughs> honestly, not at the moment. Uh, let's. Let, I'll just say one thing. I slept on this book for way too long, and I'm excited that. I got to read it again. Yeah, man, me too. And I will talk about my history with this in a minute. Uh, spoiler alert: it gets emotional. All right, it's a it's a deep, it's a heart wrenching story. I'm starting to sweat just thinking about it. So, without further ado, <laughs> let's talk about Outbound Flight. This is going to be spoiler heavy ter- spoiler heavy territory, folks. If you've not yet read this, many Legends fans, and I, I think myself included would consider this one of the greats, one of the best. I'm going to go ahead and make my prediction now that this is going to be included in the um, the Legends Essential collections that they're doing from Delray, these repackaging, reformat, reprinting. I'm thinking Outbound Flight's going to make the cut. What do you think? I think so. I, I think mean, so. there's a lot of fervor around Thrawn right now. It's, it's hard for me to imagine they wouldn't reprint this book, and I couldn't be more excited for it if it happens. We don't know. 
No leaks here. We don't know. We're not. We don't get leaks. All right, come on. We don't get leaks. But if anybody wants to give us some, we'll take them. All right. So without further ado, outbound flight, a smuggler ship, the Bargain Hunter, crewed by George Cardas and his crewmates, blast off into the unknown regions while on the run from Praga the Hut. That's right, Praga the Hut. They're saved from their pursuers by none other than the mysterious alien in command of a small fleet of ships, Commander Mithranuodo. Thrawn begins to take Cardas under his wing in order to learn about the state of the broader galaxy outside Chiss space. Meanwhile, the, another mission is preparing to launch into the unknown regions. Project Outbound Flight, under the control of the arrogant, and uh, probably wearing a shirt this time, Jedi Master Joris Sabayoth is set to launch... Um, beyond known space in order to settle new planets in the name of the Republic because colonialism, y'all. Support for the project dwindles, so there's a number of cost-efficient compromises in place. Six Dreadnought-class heavy cruisers are bound. I kind of picture them strapped with like a big roll of duct tape, right? They're, they're, they're bound around a central storage core full of supplies for their expansive journey. For example, that's one of the budget cuts. Sabayoth fights for the importance of the project, but is opposed by da -da -da, shadowy forces. One such shadowy force is Darth Sidious. Ever heard of him? Who, under the guise of Chancellor Palpatine, dispatches Kinman Doriana to Sabayoth. Oh my goodness, try saying this five times fast. To sabotage Sabayoth. <laughs> that looks easier on the page than it is easier than it is for my tongue to say. Everybody try saying that five times fast. Sabotage, Sabayoth. That was a mistake for sure. Meg, why don't you edit this? Edit my edit my show notes. I, I'm not touching your save show me, notes. Save me from myself. <laughs> no, no. Good luck with that. He commands a trade federation battle fleet, strikes an alliance with Thrawn after Thrawn, shows them who's boss. Their ultimate goal is to prolong an invasion by the Far Outsiders, whoever they are, and also to eliminate Sabayoth and his outbound flight Jedi so that they won't mess up his Order 66 plan because it's so close. Don't mess this up. When Thrawn's flotilla is attacked by Vagari pirates, Thrawn is badly injured and is saved by Cardos. Cardos hatches a plan to save Thrawn and escapes. Little does he know, however, that Thrawn lets him escape so that he will leak info about the Trade Federation droid technology to the Vagari. Thrawn, ever the good bro, secretly secretly planted a crate of droid decas on Cardas's ship and the Vagari because they think they're dope, and so do I. I mean, they're awesome. When Cardas, uh, when Outbound Fight finally shows up late to the space party, Thrawn warns them that they're in for a bad time, even telling Sabayoth word for word of Sith Sidious's grand plans, but Sabayoth is as Sabayoth does, y'all. He force chokes Thrawn, but uh, Doriana triggers the Trade Federation droids to kill Sabayoth in the nick of time. Thrawn defeats the Vagari. Cardos escapes. Thrawn gets in trouble for preemptively striking, which is a big chest no-no. Thrawn, we've told you a hundred times. Thrawn's brother Thras pilots outbound flight to its seemingly fiery demise in such a way that protects the survivors from taking the brunt of the crash, but uh, F's in the chat for Thras, uh, R.I.P. Thras. So, um, Cheryl, as our honored guest tonight, uh, on a scale of 1 to 10, how do you rank outbound flight? I really, really enjoyed it. So, um, I, I hand out... Tens quite easily, so ten. <laughs> there we go. All right, perfect ten. It's all downhill from here. It's all downhill from here. <laughs> That's great. That's great. I want to say shout out to our 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 friends in the chat. 
Um, Spice Din says this was his first Star Wars book, so he'll always hold a special place in his heart. That's awesome, Jacob. Thanks for sharing that. That's so cool. So cool. Um, how about you? No, no. I want to ask Meg. I'm gonna give you a little heads up here. I'm gonna ask you. I know you've read this. You know, you didn't reread it for this show, but like, did you? Do you like it in general? Do you have like a, a rating off the top of your head? Uh, I'd give it like, like an eight. Like, yeah. Before, before like, um, this current Thrawn trilogy, I was just not a Thrawn fan. Like, there, there's the books are great. Um. But just like not my favorite character, not my favorite story. So like at the time, I think I would have given it like an eight, maybe like a little bit lower. But like I'm actually really curious if my rating would be different if I went back and read it now. I think it would be. It was for me. It was for me. Yeah. I'll tell you about mine in just a second. But first, Freddie. Uh, yeah, I, I slept on this book for a, a long time, honestly. It it seems like I read it maybe six years after it was published. I. I just didn't have any investment in it for some reason. I, I can't tell you why. It just maybe it was the art on the cover, but I did I didn't quite like it enough. I don't know. What, just it, it, it's really spaceships? weird. Spaceships. I mean, it, <laughs> nothing it's gets cool, me going but, like spaceships, Freddie. I gotta tell you. <laughs> but uh, I don't know what it was honestly about the book that just didn't didn't trigger me to read it. So I read it probably like in 2012, and I I, I remember putting this book down. I was like, holy cow. That was good. That was way better than I had expected. Yeah. And so I read it again for, for the podcast, and I had the same exact reaction. I was like, this is a legitimately good book. I, I, I'm I, not even going to rate it high just because of like nostalgia for a Legends book, but because it's legitimately a very good book to read, and, and it just flows, and you don't want to put it down. So yeah, it really does. With, it's it's breezy. Yeah. It's, it's not as dense as some of the more recent Thrawn books, in my opinion. Uh, just yes. because, like, you get some Anakin and Obi Wan in there, you know, you just want some, you want some pulpy Star Wars. Throw in some Anakin and Obi Wan. It just brightens up the place, unless, yeah. of course, you're a child and it's, you know, it's Flame Night. It's Order sixty six. In which case, let's just <laughs> not talk about that. Uh, I'm gonna. So, so, did you give a number? What would you say for a, a numerical rating? Yeah, this is uh, this is a good one. I'm gonna give this easily like a, a nine point uh, nine point nine point five. Oh, I want to okay. give it a well, nine point nine. Here but. I was, like, about to rave on it, and I'm going to give it lower than both of you, <laughs> but higher than Meg. I think for me, I think for me, it's like an 8.5, could be close to a 9, could be close to a 9. Uh, the, the important thing is it is probably right about at the seam of my top 10 Legends books at this point. I first read this book, I was reading it when five years ago when my mother died. Um, this was the book I was in the middle of when she just tragically, you know, it was, it was she was fifty. It was very horrific and unexpected, and my whole life changed and was turned on its head. And um, so, all my pictures from this time period, I've got like these huge bags under my eyes because I'm so sad and exhausted, and like outbound flight in my hands because I'm like must read Star Wars to comfort myself. <laughs> so I associated it with trauma. I picked it up and was like, "Ooh, I don't feel good about this." And then uh, started reading it. And was like, "Oh." Like, I was totally eclipsed by my grief and couldn't concentrate on this book. And this time around, absolutely dug it. Just totally fired on all cylinders. Maybe it's because I've read all these new Thrawn books. You've got this whole new canon trilogy, and now we're in the middle of the uh, the Ascendancy trilogy. I had just reread Chaos Rising before picking this up. Man, does this synergize well with the mm-hmm. Ascendancy trilogy really well. Really well. I, mean, I think we can go ahead and call this the Ascendancy Quadrilogy and call this the prequel to the prequels of the prequel to the the original sequels. Yeah. 
What do you think? <laughs> yeah, that'll go great on its business card. You can put that on the back of the book. When you do the Legends epic reprint, put that right. Leg- Jared May's Legends look back. The, the It fits into the prequel to the prequel as of the prequel to the original sequels. That's right. <laughs> Perfect. Well, we're going to talk about some of these wonderful characters who were first introduced in this book, uh, one of whom, a couple of whom, have even gone on to have a uh, longer life in canon media. So excited about that. Let's start off with George Cardas. Cardas, uh, of course, is first introduced in the Hand of Thrawn duology. Hand of Thrawn duology is like this uh, kind of the MacGuffin that Luke has to go find and meet and get the secrets from and a mysterious character, crime lord, friend of Thrawn. What a weird... But this is... Here he, he kind of plays that uh, Eli Vanto role in some mm-hmm. ways. Uh, Cheryl, start us off. Um, what do you think Thrawn saw in Cardos? Why does he take Cardos under his wing? Is They've got an interesting little strange relationship, don't they? Yeah, I think Thrawn sees honesty and curiosity in Cardos. Thrawn's ultimate goal is to learn all he can from Cardos, and I think he sees qualities in him that he values. Okay. Because, um, like, Cardos observes and evaluates the situations he's in. He knows when to talk and when not to. He knows what to say and what not to say, which would all be, like, qualities that a strategic person like Thrawn would appreciate. I wish I could and... figure that one out. I only know what not, <laughs> I only know what not to say, and that's what I say. And, like, Thrawn needed information, and I guess he figured out of the three available, Cardos was probably his best bet. And I think he chose who he best figured could be someone he could trust. And, yeah, like you said, it's basically Eli Vanto in... Yeah, without the accent. Um, yeah. The the audiobook, the abridged audiobook... Now, I could rant all day about Legends audiobooks. This is one of the Legends audiobooks that's lengthier... So it's like over six hours as opposed to the only three hours. In other words, it fits onto two cassette tapes instead of one. <laughs> no, this was released on CD. Uh, Jonathan Davis, my favorite audiobook narrator, did this one. And so uh, there's not there's no Southern accents. No, there, there is, however, R, he pronounces the name Arl. Any word with an apostrophe, he like stops and says Ar- Alani. And that totally, totally took me out of it. <laughs> but uh, card... Das, I don't in other listen to audiobooks, so I just flat out just don't I do hear it. it in my head. Yeah, straight up, I read books as books, old fashioned in that way. I appreciate that about you, Cheryl. Um, we love our retro technology here on Legends Look Back, don't we, Freddie? Yeah, we're all, yeah, we're all I, about our our Walkmans and Tamagotchis, laser, and laser discs. That's right. <laughs> That's right. Um, I love that answer though. That he saw honesty and curiosity. Man, all right, I can't start with Cheryl anymore on any of these questions because her answers are so good that whatever we have to say next, Freddie, sounds really dumb, doesn't it? <laughs> would you Would you do the honors in saying the dumb thing next? What do you think that Thrawn saw in Cardass? He's so cool. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there's there's two words that describe Cardass or Cardass, uh, however you want to pronounce yeah. it, right? For <laughs> Davis, Cardass. Uh, um, it's it's the fact that he he has a sense of situational awareness that a lot of others do not have, right? If it's being taken onto something, he's he's looking at the walls, just getting a sense of where he's at, and that situ, situational awareness you can tell right at the very beginning. Thrawn Thrawn has an interest in that, and he I think he realizes that that Cardas is not your your normal person, right? He it, I just feel like yeah the the world that Thrawn exists in. 
a normal person is still a normal person, right? They've got like the uh, the the families, the hierarchy of the families, uh, and then there's the commoners. And I feel like he saw something that even if if, if you know it didn't matter if George was was a human or any other feet or uh, any other alien, but the fact that he had that curiosity and he had that that sense of of you know what there's why why do we have the, the transparency right that's the word i was looking for the transparency and the uh, situational awareness yeah was a trait that i think thrawn saw as as a weakness but also a tool right it's hard to say okay. how he yeah. how he sees it Uh-oh. and that's that's what i think right he he's he's intelligent but he's also um he can manipulate him in a certain way because he knows what cardas is thinking yeah, so. yeah, you 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 start to question: Are they friends, or does is Thrawn? Yeah, does is Thrawn just using him? And yeah. that's one of the things I, I love about reading yeah, Thrawn books is you never know exactly where people sit with him in his life. Are they friends, as we define friends, or is it? Does he have some other kind of view of friendship and loyalty and and um, usefulness? I like that you said: Is he a tool? Because that comes up in Ascendancy. In in um, what's the first book called? Man, these books, so many names. Chaos Rising. Chaos Rising. Thank you, Cheryl. Um, Thrawn says, "I see people as tools." Right. So that that is very true. Assets. Assets. That's right. There we go. Assets. Definitely. Now, I my answer kind of ties into Freddy's. I think that what Thrawn saw, and this gets complicated, so hang with me. I think what Thrawn saw in Cardass is that Cardass saw Thrawn differently than everybody else so he noticed that cardass could um could discern that thrawn is not like your normal just you know is uh there's more to meets the eye with thrawn and this is one of the commonalities in in some of the more recent canon thrawn books as well there's people who look at thrawn and they just see him as a threat and they just see Mm -hmm. him as different they just see him as too unorthodox too unusual too single-minded, um, whereas Cardass sees that he's not all bad, and, and, and there's so much brilliance to him that they he's fascinated by Thrawn. And, and mm-hmm. I don't know that he trusts Thrawn, but he does definitely allow a, a sense of vulnerability with Thrawn that is really, really compelling in this book. Um, I love the way their relationship works. It's so cool. Uh, it's so cool. It's so interesting. I wish that there were more books that explored the relationship between Thrawn and and Cardass. This is the only yeah. one. So other than like you get old, grizzled, chiseled Cardass. Uh, I don't know if he's chiseled. Uh, you know who is Sabaoth, but um, <laughs> he is is like you know in exile, and then Luke finds him in the Hand of Thrawn duology, and so the, you do get a little bit more Cardass there. But Thrawn's not around anymore. No. With Cardass, though, I do want to ask, why is it helpful for us to have a reader surrogate character to help observe Thrawn? So Cardass is kidnapped. He doesn't know about the Chiss. He doesn't know who these blue-skinned, red-eyed alien were, aliens are. I mean, we've been looking at Thrawn for 30 years, but i got to say, if I was kidnapped by a blue-skinned, red-eyed alien, you know, I'd like to think I look beyond the color of people's skins, but uh, <laughs> as soon as I look into the color of their red eyes, I'd better be probably a little bit intimidated so it's not the skin color it's the eye color all right there's my excuse for my speciesism the speciesism xenophobia there um but cardass really does serve as that character who's kind of like us right he's like your roguish nice pure-hearted character who's like you know he's he's, he's who we all want to be in star wars mm-hmm. 
Um, he's a good guy, but he's he's cool. He's like a wannabe Han Solo in the prequel era, to a certain extent, working the smuggler crew for Praga the Hut, but clearly is better than his other smuggler friends. He is absolutely that surrogate, that reader surrogate character that we get in so many pieces of media. Um, Freddie, did you ever watch like the old school like '90s X Men show? Yes, I did. I did. There's uh, Jubilee is this character in the '90s X Men show. So the first episode is like her first day at school at the Xavier Institute, you know, and so it's like she's noticing and witnessing all these mutants for the first time and so are we it's our first introduction to these characters x-men always has that almost always has one character that's like new to the school nobody else knows them they're getting to know the characters and so are we it's a trope for sure but but freddie why is it helpful to have a character like this specifically around thrawn there's a couple of reasons one i actually think that he he acts as as a neutral party for us, right? He he knows enough about the Republic, but he he is also a privateer. He's a smuggler, uh, and and he is in that gray zone. He's not really a part of the Republic, right? If the Republic fell apart, he'd still be around. He'd still be doing business. Uh, he's not quite part of the Trade Federation. He's just it looks like he's just trying to get a get along in life, trying to find some something to do. And in most cases, it almost seems like he just ends up at the wrong place, right? With with the bounty hunter, or uh, what's the name of the, the bounty hunt? Is that the name of the ship? What? Oh, yeah. Um, oh, Bargain, Bargain Hunter. Sorry, Bargain, Bargain Hunter. Hunter. Yeah, so he Once just gets on the, the ship. Once you say the wrong name that's a little bit close, I'll never remember the right one. <laughs> yeah. So uh, he, he is that neutral party that we can kind of funnel ourselves into. And, and for me especially, I would do exactly what he's doing. I'm not going to lie to Thrawn. I'm not going to disrespect him. I'm just going to tell him exactly what he needs to know. Because I feel like at, by me doing that, he's going to pay you back in some way. He's, he's never going to just take, take, take from you. right? And that's the thing that I think Cardus realizes in Thrawn is that if he, if he does give him this information, he does risk his life, he does do these certain things that Thrawn will make sure in the end that he's taken care of in the best way that he can. Yeah, I like that a lot. Um, how about you, Cheryl? Uh, I think it's helpful to have a surrogate to help us observe Thrawn. Um, this is almost always the way uh, Zond writes Thrawn. Yeah. Um, that way the reader, I mean, one, the reader never knows what's really going to happen. Um, but it also, I think, helps keep the enigma of Thrawn. Um, and that's part of the joy. We're never a step ahead of him. We're just along for the journey alongside him, watching him in wonderment and awe. And I believe Timothy Zahn has only ever written from Thrawn's point of view in the canon Thrawn yeah, right. book. Um, and he said that it was challenging and that he prefers to write it from the observer's point of view and it helps keep yeah. that alien element about Thrawn. He he kind of equated it to how when we observe Sherlock it's almost always through Watson's eyes. And yeah, right. he he didn't actually like the stories that were told through Sherlock's eyes. Um Timothy's on being. Yeah, yeah. So, I can totally see that. That's actually been one of my criticisms with um, the more recent canon books is it, it feels like we get a little bit too close to Thrawn. I want him to be a little mm -hmm. bit more foreign, a little bit more alien. Now, that's interesting, though, that you say he only wrote him that way in the original canon Thrawn book. 
I, yeah, I'm we gonna... only see hmm. him through Thrawn's point of view. Yeah. I think only in that book. Every yeah. other time it's through no, other I think you're right. um, observation of him. Yeah, I think yeah, you're right. I think that's, that's also a really good idea for, for people like Thrawn and, and uh, Sherlock because technically even us, right? Us laymanst persons should not have any idea how those brains are working, right? We should, we should just be completely struck because by the time we're at step two, they're already at step 29 yeah. figuring <laughs> the problem out and, and creating that solution. Yeah, there comes a point when I'm reading Thrawn where I just settle in to the fact that he knows more than me. There comes a point where I just like finally give up <laughs> on to trying it. to figure him out. And I'm just like, let me know, bro. Please talk down to me. Please condescend toward this random character. And I'll just take the beating. I'll, he I'll... condescend. You don't think he's condescending? No, never. No, I don't think Thrawn's condescending. Oh. I think he's respectful. He, I think he... He wants people to be as curious as he is. Okay. And when yes. they're not, that bothers him. I can see but, that. But when he is like, say that they're watching a battle and he's on the bridge with the other Chiss. Yeah. He's asking his senior captain. Right. Now, did you notice that movement over there? Did but that's, is that not condescending reacted? where he's like, no, I know everything and you don't. He's wanting them to pick up that skill yeah. of observation. He's yeah. saying, yeah. this is how I know that that happened. It's because I noticed this little thing. And then when you open up your viewpoint and take in all these different factors into account, you can do this too. That's good. I, I will say, Cheryl, that is one of my very favorite things about Legends, his relationship with Pelion and how Pelion goes on to become this absolute juggernaut of the EU after Thrawn is long dead. Uh, F's in the chat for Thrawn. Um, in Legends, at least. Hey, he's still out there in canon with those space whales. Um, of course, he he, uh, he mentors Pelion, and then Pelion does not become a carbon copy of Thrawn. He becomes the best version of himself, which is yes. so good. Man, I love yes. Pelion in later That's... Legends. Oh my gosh, I can't wait to read all those books. Now, I do think he's kind of saying toward his enemies, especially like when he's about to pull the the wool out from under their eyes, blanket out from under their rugs. I got this, hold on. <laughs> when, they, when, they, when he pulls the blanket out from under their eyes. No, one more time. When he pulls, pulls the, the blanket from under their feet. Over their, from over their eyes. It's at the pulls end. the wool over their <laughs> eyes. You know the expression when he makes the big reveal and he's like, ta-da, you're stupid. That's what I love about Thrawn when he outsmarts the villains. villains. This isn't in the show notes. We're off the the chain. Off the chain at this point. We're off the script. Let's talk more about Thrawn. In chapter four, there's this amazing quote about Thrawn that comes from... Who is it? Who says this? I don't know. I didn't write it down. Somebody says this. I perceive. No, it's Dion. So they're talking to Doriana. Oh. Who is it? Yeah. All right. Yeah, it's the. Isn't it the um the battleship, uh, Neimodian? Oh yeah, the Neimodian. Oh cool. I get to read this whole thing in the Neimodian voice. Here we go. No, I'm not gonna do that. No. Don't do it. Okay. Um, so here's the quote, and I I was out on a run listening to this, and like stopped, like pulled over to the side of the course to like mark this in my book. Listening to this, he says, "I perceive that you have come under Thrawn's spell, Master Doriana, but do not be swayed by his learned manner and cultured voice. He is a primitive savage, and no matter what the outcome, in the end, 
he will have to die. Yo, that's the best quote in the book. All right, I just love that so much. But it also is very telling about, and as soon as I heard that, I thought, oh, I really do think that is what Thrawn does to people. He he puts them in this trance where they get fascinated by him and he can manipulate them because they're so interested in him um, or or put off guard by him. There's a lot to talk about here. Freddie, what do you think? Is is that what Thrawn does to people? Does he put people under a spell? It, and then if so, is, is this intentional or is there something that he's just doing subconsciously? Uh, well, that's the thing with Thrawn, right? We don't really truly know what his intentions are. I think the only thing we do know and this is just for my point of view for for legends because i've i've only read one book in canon with thron which is thron but Wait, what book? i've noticed thron I'm, I'm just kidding all right <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> so the thing is he he his purpose is to protect his people the chiss and that's his only goal right in my opinion that's his goal and that's his that's his mission is is to do whatever it takes to protect the chiss. If you happen to be a tool that can help with that goal, he's going to make sure that you're in his tool drawer, right? He's going to make sure you're there whenever he needs to use you as as that person. And I think he recognizes people like like Cardas and and of course other others who are intelligent enough to understand even just remotely a little bit of what Thrawn is thinking so that he can he can rely to rely on them to do whatever it is that they need to do, even without them even knowing that they have to do it. So yeah, yeah, it's a little bit of it's, both. It's now. really difficult to to really pin down if he's doing it intentionally or not. I think in general, most beings are just attracted to something that is that intensely smart. I guess I, I have no idea how else to put it. Put it. Maybe that's why I keep buying these expensive Thrawn action figures. <laughs> um, what about you, Cheryl? Um, do you think this is something? The Thrawn does to people? Does he put people under a spell? Uh, he certainly does that to me. Um, <laughs> uh, your question, is it intentional or is it something he does subconsciously? I think it's somewhat intentional because Thrawn is very much adept at reading people really well. He watches their body language. He watches what they're observing and what questions they ask and how they react to things. And this helps him understand people's motivations and it helps Mm -hmm. him to predict what their next move or actions are going to be, much like how he does with interpreting art. I say somewhat intentional because I don't think Thrawn is wholly manipulative in that he never abuses this talent to rule over others or to be cruel. Um... And there's another passage that shows uh, Maris, who is technically a prisoner of Thrawn's, uh, looking at him with adoring hard eyes. And (laughs) Cardas is like, she's being, um, and I quote, drawn in by his intelligence, courtesy, and sophistication. And I was like, same, Maris. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's, as soon as I heard this, I thought like, he does that. He he lures you into this. He lulls you into this this rhythm with his voice and his the fact that he's always one step ahead. And like, hey, everybody loves a well-rounded individual. He's good with war. Can blow stuff up. He can also like decorate your living room. Like really good uh, at uh, curating museums. Um, you know, he's good to hang out with on the weekends. But like, if you got an invading fleet knocking down your door, he'll blow them up. You know, he's 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 a very well-rounded man. 
a chiss. What do you call a male who's chiss? Anyway. Um, now, Cheryl, I see here in the show notes that you've got an Easter egg for us. Uh, I've been dying to know since you put this in the notes here. Uh, All caps. Cheryl, she's very observant, but I gotta say, I'm, I'm dying to know what this is. Okay, so remember when you were excited to have your Legends Lurkback shirt, right, that I'm wearing? There it is. Gorgeous. And then you you realized in one of your episodes that, that the quote should have been, but it was so artistically, artistically done. done <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah, and you guys yeah, were yeah. sad. Well, enter stage left. Outbound flight. Doriana, right? Page 398, <laughs> paperback. Oh. Yeah. I caught this one too. And even Doriana's own attempt to muddy the Chiss waters had apparently been part of that scheme. Had Mithra Nerudo Odo, I can't even say that, anticipated Doriana's efforts? Or had he simply incorporated them into his own plan as they occurred? Either way, it was artfully done. That's what's you did up. it right, man. You there did it, it right. All right, all right. It was also artfully done in Greater Good. Uh, they use that same quote, and they say artfully instead of artistically in Greater Good. I, I think it's Greater Good. But this is a Legends book. That's true. For your That's Legends true. look back I, to you. You got it right. You could look at it a couple of ways. One is like we're avoiding copyright infringement <laughs> by like slightly adjusting the quote. Okay, well, I was super excited when I read that. I was like... <laughs> <laughs> my original idea for our t-shirts cheryl was to use that quote but then to have a picture of thrawn wearing those shutter shades you know what i'm talking yeah. about <laughs> sunglasses with the slits in them and so it's gonna be I like mean, this retro it's just gonna be thrawn with like that deadpan stare he always has but yeah, then with those like, shutter shades it. Because, like, chiss have glowing red eyes, right? Right, 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 So, right, right. like, I, there's, like, a passage in this book where Cardass wakes up at night and, like, Thrawn is in his room and he can see the glowing <laughs> red eyes across the room. That's so creepy. And I'm, like, his theme song would be I Wear My Sunglasses at Night. That's right! Absolutely. <laughs> so he can, like, sneak up on people. Absolutely. Oh, my gosh. Uh, yeah. Uh, of course, we can't legally print shirts with a Star Wars character's you know, image right there on them. It could just be another blue-skinned, red-eyed guy. There's plenty of them out there in totally. the galaxy. I mean, yeah, I'll just yeah. Photoshop myself on there. Can't do anything. That's my image. <laughs> blue, blue Freddy. <laughs> A Star Wars story. Um, one of the things that really stood out to me is I've been reading all these Thrawn books recently. It's a lot of Thrawn happening right now. Uh, I'm sure half our listeners listen to this are in the middle of greater good right now as we speak. There's this big shift, especially having just reread the Thrawn trilogy recently, the original Thrawn trilogy, Meg, the original OG Legends Thrawn trilogy, the only trilogy we can rightfully call the Thrawn trilogy. Am I right? <laughs> it's a debate. I mean, if you want to die on that hill, it's fine. <laughs> oh, I'm long dead on that hill. Long dead. <laughs> Corpses. Right on the top. Everywhere. That's right. <laughs> Holding my flag <laughs> that says, get me. Um, I, I do want to say... There's this move that happens, and I'm not sure if it's because Zahn loved Thrawn, and always, maybe eventually, did he always have this vision for Thrawn, or did he come to have this vision for him? Was it always there from the beginning? Is it because fans loved Thrawn? Um, how exactly did we get here to where Thrawn is the protagonist of two canon trilogies 30 years later 
Um, he's not nearly as devious in these books as he was in, in the original Thrawn trilogy. He's mm-hmm. dangerous. He's dangerous, but he's not as devious. Uh, I mean, it, it, in in the original Thrawn trilogy, he was it a a, a gunner on his ship who missed the important shot or a tractor beam tech that he yeah. had just boom shot right there on the bridge is that right yeah it was he didn't uh, he felt like he didn't uh want to learn how to adapt to yeah. a situation that was new to him and he killed him <laughs> that's right yeah and the throne doesn't kill people in cold blood i don't think beyond that um but uh, hey, even Superman did it. He snapped that sucker's neck in that one movie. So, I mean, it happens to the best of us. All right. We all snap a neck or two. I, I do want to. Okay, maybe not. Not you guys. That's fine. Um, <laughs> does this book, though, start to retcon Thrawn's characterization from villain to anti hero? Uh, obviously, in my leading question, you can hear that I think the answer is yes. Cheryl and I were going back and forth about this a little bit last night. So uh, I was like, save it for the show, save it for the show. Uh, Freddie, let's start with you. Do, you. do you think that this is the first significant turning point in Thrawn's character? Or was, has he always been good at heart all along? Or is, is, this, is he a villain in this book? What do you think, Freddie? It's interesting. I feel like the, the Thrawn that we read back in Heir to the Empire is, is a lot different than what we read here in Outbound Flight. I feel like this is... You could see that in this text, this is what Timothy Zahn is like, this is my character. And I feel like because of that, because he recognized that that was his character and that people were, they did like him, right? I mean, even in 2006, he, he was a hit. Yeah. Uh, I feel like he wanted to make him something that people could could actually relate to and maybe not relate to, but actually like and make them Root for that yeah. character. Before yeah. he was very much, he was evil. He was... Uh, he was scary. He was really scary, and and he was. Uh, you can listen to those episodes. I talk about how, how different he is in in canon versus what he is in in legends, and he he's a different person completely. He's he's ruthless, and he uh, you at the very end when he gets killed, you're almost kind of glad, <laughs> right? And in Outbound Flight, if if he were to get killed, I would not have the same sentiment at all. Right, right. He's he's ruthless. Um, I, I've got a hypothesis here that if you started with some of these more recent books or even Outbound Flight and then went to the original Thrawn trilogy, you would feel like, yeah, sure, it's the same character. He's just, he's changed. It's later in life. He's a little more war-hardened. Mm-hmm. He's really, really close to being emperor <laughs> there. So he's like really, really, you know, eager to go ahead and uh, culminate power and maybe he's got some good purposes in wanting to achieve you know maybe he really does know what's best for the galaxy i don't know he's always one step ahead of me but i think if you start with the original thrawn trilogy as many 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 people have then you go to these you feel like there's a little bit of disconnect um so freddie thinks there's some disconnect what do you think cheryl do you agree yeah i like to think of it as adding more dimensions to a fascinating character rather than a full retcon. But I mean, okay. yeah, you ask yourself what pushed this character to then align himself with the fascist regime and fight so hard against the New Republic. Um, it, but in this book, also in the Hand of Thrawn duology, we learn it's because he wants to protect the Chiss ascendancy mm-hmm. from a greater outside threat. So he yeah. chooses to align himself with the group that has the resources he thinks can achieve that. I think it's touched on a little bit. That reasoning is touching a little bit in the Hand of Thrawn duology. Okay. Um, 
but it makes you wonder why he had it out so bad for our heroes in the Legends trilogy when they just wanted to restore democracy right <laughs> so but like i i personally love that zon has leaned into taking thrawn from villain to anti-hero and yeah. it's deepened my love of the character yeah and you, you read the original thrawn trilogy he's interesting i actually think like the most interesting things that happen with him happen in those books um but i do think he's a more likable character in these other books Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I I liked him. <laughs> I I love I love him. I, I love to root for him in these books. I do, however, think he's most interesting not because of who he is, but because of the people around him. I think Thrawn is made more interesting depending on the characters who are around him. And so, um, especially in this book, what's fun is we get the introduction of one of the mainstays in Thrawn's journey in Thrawn's journey and that is somebody who has been especially fleshed out in recent canon media and that is Admiral Arlani. Um of course she's come a long way from her initial introduction in Outbound Flight. What do you think though? Uh do you what do you think Zahn had in mind for Arlani in her initial introduction? Do you think he could have possibly foreseen how far her character would come in her subsequent appearances? Um Freddie, I know you're not totally caught up on on uh, on Aralani, but surely you've read the book a little bit. Um, do you think that that Zahn had anything in it, had in mind where she would eventually go? Because uh, man, oh, she man. come a long way. Her character is so fleshed out. I I don't think so. I it's hard to say because she she seems very much an ex, just an accessory, right? In 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 uh legends uh well i mean she only shows up right in outbound flight that i know of in in uh i'm in that looking book at that first. i'm wondering if she's in anything else in legends yeah i can't i can't think of anything and it, it just seems like she was there to challenge to t- to challenge thrawn at the beginning because she did have more power than him and it seemed as if she was useful to kind of wedge wedge that that um how would I put it? I, I'm not. I'm not entirely sure how to put this. It doesn't seem like Thron, uh, like Zahn really thought about that character. I guess the consequences of of what she would become. It just to, to me, it doesn't ring out that way, right? In Outbound Flight it doesn't. There's nothing that really signifies like, oh, I need to know more about her. Um, it yeah, it's it's a that's an interesting question. You're a little more caught up, Cheryl. What do you think? I think Zahn was trying to show us what an admiral of the Chiss expansionary defense fleet was like who didn't have the same level of Thrawn's tactical genius. Hmm. Like to show us a very competent Chiss leader and warrior who was more reserved in her conquests, more in alignment with Chiss philosophy. She may agree with Thrawn's analysis of the Vagari threat, but she's less zealous in their pursuit and conquest. Um, I think, to your second point, I think Zahn very much likes to reintroduce characters that he likes. Yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, why wouldn't he? She's a great character, and I think if he sees the opening that works within the story, he's going to bring them back. I can't wait for Sabayoth to make his way back into canon. It's going to be so epic. (laughs) It's a smart move, because fans of those characters are thrilled to see them again. They're going to say, who's Um, that shirtless, chiseled guy over there? (laughs) Is that that Jared? that bastard over there? (laughs) 
Oh man, I can't wait to talk about him. Hold on, hold on. We got one more person first. Um, that's great. You know, what's cool about Arlani though is she eventually seems like she's there to supervise Thrawn, micromanage Thrawn. Yeah. And she's like, oh man, mom just showed up and she's gonna <laughs> look over my shoulder and I'm gonna get in trouble for doing the stuff. It's like really not all that bad, but uh, you know, definitely uh, on the on the border of like not what I'm supposed to be doing. But then what's cool about Arlani is you're like, oh, she's a cool mom. She, she, you realize like she gets it. She finally realizes Thrawn's plan and gets on board with it and mm-hmm. is able to adapt and adjust even when other characters in the story haven't. She's typically the first person after Thrawn or, mm-hmm. or Cardas, you know, to, to see the plan, see where Thrawn is going. And they're always like, oh, Thrawn, you shouldn't have done that. But like, wink, wink, like it's okay. Like, you know, mm-hmm. I definitely mm-hmm. see beyond the surface level. Um, I wonder what. I wonder what the world looks like through their red eyes. Don't you need pupils to don't pupils do <laughs> something? Glasses? <laughs> it's a very, very angry world if everything is red <laughs> all the time. Um, let's talk about Thrawn's brother Thras, though, before we move on to uh, our, our shirtless overlord himself, Sabayoth. Thras is, interestingly enough, reintroduced in uh, canon as well alongside Aralani, except for maybe is not Thrawn's brother? I don't think. I don't think he's Thrawn's brother in canon. Like maybe you know, there's still another book in the uh, Ascendancy trilogy. I don't think he's his brother. I gotta admit, like I don't totally digest everything that's happened in the Ascendancy trilogy. I've read both of these twice, and I'm still like, I think I know what just happened. But they're dense for me. They're diff- they're dense for me. I don't know why I should read the actual physical books instead of just mm-hmm. the audio books. That think that would help. But um, yep. uh, Cheryl, help us out here. How do Thrawn and Thras differ? They, they clearly have some similarities, but just because they share blood and share their myth family name, um, obviously both heroic in their own way, but yet some core fundamental differences. Compare Thrawn and Thrass's ideologies for us. Um, okay. You asked the specific question, which of them is more heroic? Yeah, that's the next question. The so next that's qu- what... So, okay. so we can go to that. They okay. Obviously, so, Thrass sacrifices himself to... He seems like the hardliner, right? He seems like he's more... He seems like he's more in line with Chiss family doctrine and, and more played by the rules than Thrawn. But then in the end, you really find that he's got like the soft heart and he sacrificed himself to crash the ship just in the right way to save the survivors. So then, you know, you find out that Thrawn was, uh, Thras was a hero all along. So yeah, it does lead to the question of which of them is more heroic. Yeah. Uh, I, didn't, I didn't even think about that part. I just, I just, I saw Thras as very symbolic of the Chiss ideology. Yeah. And he was, he had a, is more of a defense stance, whereas Thrawn is more offense. Um, okay. Like, at the end of the day, their goals are the same, but they have ju- just have different opinions of how to achieve that. I would say that Thrawn also is heroic in that, like, just in the case of the Vagari, for instance... It's a, here's a conquering species that's plundering and enslaving innocents. With Thras's ideology, the Chiss stand by and do nothing because the Chiss themselves have not been attacked. Right. With Thrawn, who sees it as only a matter of 
not if but when the the Vagari eventually attack the Chiss. He's also aiding in the plight of those the the Vagari have currently enslaved and torture and kill without just provocation. So there's yeah. heroics on both sides there, I think. Definitely. Definitely. Um I, I really love Thras as like a foil to Thrawn, getting Thras as Thrawn's brother, where we don't typically get somebody who knows Thrawn that well, and it's fun to have him in this mission. And that, yeah, he's not like really introduced. We don't spend a ton of time with Thras. Uh, he's kind of there on the periphery. I really love the way that that character is used alongside, um, you know, the, the way that he comes in alongside Thrawn. It's fun to get like that familial bond with him. There's nothing quite like that in canon either even though thras is mentioned in canon he's in there a little bit um it's not quite the same as he is here in outbound flight freddie you want to take a stab at this one um how how does thras demonstrate his heroism in this book mithrasifas i forget what his name actually is (laughs) mithrasifas thras to me is is the political slash aristocratical version of of what a chiss I think would be right. He, he's thinking about the family. He's thinking about, about Thrawn and he does not want Thrawn to be kicked out of the family. And, and he doesn't want to be that commoner. And, and he does care about Thrawn. It seems at least that's the, that's the feeling that I got. And because of that, right. It, he really comes, he comes down to more of a, he comes more, more to like a, how would you say it? Like a, I guess I just I just said it earlier. He's he's more political, right? And and he takes that political arm, and okay, with that sure. political yeah. arm comes comes the uh, comes his. Uh, sorry, I got I got distracted for a second thinking about rebels <laughs> in the chat. We'll talk about that in a sec. But in my opinion, he, that's more important. The family is more important than him than than anything else, right? Whereas Thrawn, it's the chiss in a hole, which is why he wants outbound flight out of there. He knows the yeah, second that anybody. Any one family gets a hold of that, it's going to endanger the Chiss as a whole. Whereas Thras is not really concerned on that level. To him, it's more of the family, the, the family, Thrawn's, Thrawn's connection to that family, and and that's that's where I think that that comparison comes in. That's in one of the I things. Also got, go ahead. Oh, sorry. No, you go I just ahead. had the feeling that the that the their relationship was somewhat strained. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Yes. Right. It's it's like their ideologies have not they're not just like conceptual differences between them there's clearly a backstory there that whatever has separated them whatever has strained the relationship was significant um it's not just like they're brothers that don't understand each other <laughs> there's there's something under the surface there there's a story like fundamental like their ideologies don't of course like thrawn is being thrawn and thras is more like chiss ascendancy so there's always going to be that tension and i think that was kind of the underlying current of their relationship. Yeah, definitely. I'd love to get that backstory. I'd love to get that uh, that prequel Legends story. Of, <laughs> it's never going to happen. Of what exactly did go wrong between them. I'm glad we're getting more of this explored. And in the the Canon Thrawn books, you you speculate, you read a book, and you go, oh, I feel like there's a story there. What happened to Thrawn's? I don't know, mm-hmm. his sister or whatever. And then you do get that story. You do find out. And so, um, try and to be careful here not to spoil things for yeah, no spoilers please no, no, no spoilers all right uh, one more character uh, before we close out tonight next week we're going to do our overarching questions let's talk about the man the myth oh that's funny the man the myth the legend how do i just thought of that oh man that's great meg oh use that in the God. tweet for next week um 
Kron is not a myth. He's a legend. Right. <laughs> he's not. A, he's both that and. Anyway. Sabayoth. This time, the real Sabayoth. The real one. All right. Not the clone. Not Jeruis. Joris Sabayoth. We finally get to know the Jedi Master, who the Dark Jedi clone from the, the later Legends trilogy um, is based off of in the first place. And guess what? He's just as much of a jerk. How, Freddy, does Sabayoth demonstrate the both so the, like the, the the excesses? He's worse. You think he's worse in, <laughs> as a Jedi? So much worse. Yeah. <laughs> How does he demonstrate the excesses and the corruption of the prequel era Jedi? I feel like he's emblematic of like the worst of the Jedi, don't you? He is. He he reminds me of. I feel like that's exactly what Darth Tyrannus was, right? He just saw himself as better than everybody else. I am. I am a Jedi. I am better than everybody else. Uh, and the reason why people like Anakin like that is because he treats Anakin with, with respect, right? But if Anakin were not a Jedi, I don't think it would be the same the same thing. I mean, every time I read anything from Sabaoth, I just want to punch him in the gut uh, <laughs> every single time. And and he just has this, you know, we talk about holier than thou with when it comes to Jedi. And there, if you want to read a character who exemplifies that the most, it is absolutely Sabaoth. Right, he he yeah, just very holy than now. Exactly. If you have the force, you're you're better than anybody else. Otherwise, you're just a commoner. I'm and, wondering uh, if he likes that Metallica song. <laughs> uh, so, in terms of 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 my view on that, he he very much is the corruption of of the Jedi. The 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 overabundance of confidence and and obviously it leads to it leads to his downfall and it leads to the downfall of every single person. Well. Yeah, every single person in Outbound Flight. He is the cause of, of all of their deaths in the end. I, what I like to say to people is there's a difference between confidence and arrogance. And Sabayoth has definitely left confidence in the dust <laughs> and is, is absolutely <laughs> over the line into arrogance. What do you think, Cheryl? Yeah, he, he demonstrates the excesses and corruption of the prequel era Jedi. I think the fact that he is a Jedi master and in and of itself shows the corruption. Like that he's someone who embodies arrogance and indignation at that level should not mm -hmm. be able to call themselves yeah. a Jedi master and right. shouldn't be a member of the council. He views himself as superior and more than and has absolutely no hubris whatsoever. He demands and does not ask. There's no room for conversation. When it's at that level, it's no longer about serving others. The fact that someone like that is still permitted in the order and allowed to represent it shows how far it's fallen. I mean, is he any worse than Mace Windu? He's worse. You he's think so? so much worse. Yeah, okay. Oh my gosh, yeah. He's, he's yeah. worse than Legends Mace Windu, for sure. Um, I I think that Savioth is so good in this because, on the one hand, we as Legends readers are playing off of his clone self, um, but we're also, in this book, finding Sabayoth paired against Thrawn, so they're not often in the same scene. It's only there at the end of the book, but he he is... Clearly, we're going back and forth between Thrawn chapters and Sabayoth chapters, Thrawn and Sabayoth, Thrawn and Sabayoth, and Thrawn, who's a villain with a capital V, um, is a better person at heart in this book than Sabayoth, who is a Jedi Master, who... <laughs> then, of course, uh, pitted against Obi-Wan Kenobi, who's a Jedi, uh, I think just still a knight at this point, 
he's he is you know hanging out and and hanging around and kind of like our our fan like throw us a bone help us feel good about things a little bit of familiarity in this book obi-wan and anakin they're along for the ride for most of the book and you put obi-wan up against this guy and sabayoth looks horrible um the places mm-hmm. where obi-wan's like i don't think this is the right thing to do man and sabayoth's like Go home, get off my ship. Um, it is so so well done to have, so artistically done, you could say, to put <laughs> Sabayoth in this triangle between his clone self, Obi Wan, and Thrawn in these three very different ways. It works so so well for me. So it leads me to this question: Who is the? You both, I think, already answered this. Uh, who is the bigger villain, Sabayoth, yeah. Joris Sabayoth, or Joruis Sabayoth? The Jedi Master or the Dark Jedi from the Thrawn trilogy? Uh, lead us off, Cheryl. <laughs> oh, yeah. I honestly... I think they're they're both pretty on par. Sabayoth in this iteration of his life is immensely arrogant, as we've said. He's dismissive, condescending, impatient. And in a short amount of time, he basically becomes a dictator on outbound flight. And it's pretty clear his intention is to willfully rule over all others, however he sees fit. Um, I think the difference in this book is that he stops short of actually trying to rewrite someone's mind like he did in um, The Last Command. <laughs> oh, yeah, but yeah, there was that. if he had continued right. on living, he may have well gotten to that point as well. But his acclamation of control through manipulation and intimidation over even other Jedi Masters like Obi-Wan right. shows just how dangerous he is even when not erratic or unstable like his clone was. So I think this iteration is more dangerous. Yeah, yeah. He doesn't even have an excuse <laughs> this time around. That's, that's Can't blame why. the cloning I, take. I think that's literally why I, I had the same exact thought, right? That that his clone is not the evil, well, it's not the bigger villain because he has that underlying factor of, oh, he's a, he's kind of a, he's a, he's a clone with, with some fried wires, right? So you expected him to be a little crazy and there was really no excuse for, for the real Sabayoth. I think he was just an absolute horrendously, uh, he's a horrendous person, honestly. I, I, I like I said, I, the amount of times I just wanted to throw my book against the wall and punch him in the gut if I had it here. Although I'd probably break my fist with that those nice abs. So, uh... <laughs> no, we don't know what Joris Sabayoth's abs look like. Yeah, I, I mean, I if he's anything, him being having he's more anything of a like dad his clone. Bod. Yeah, I, I picture him like having that that comfortable middle aged Jedi body where he's you know he's not had to like physically exert himself very often he's just he tells people what to do and they they're like i guess he's a jedi so we have to do what he says and um you know rotund he's <laughs> rotund um you know we got a great question here in the chat from our friend star wars timeline he of course was very active in uh, the living force chat the other day I love the commentary there about uh, the Gindy Tartakovsky series. Can't wait for us to cover that mm. here on the show. We'll get to it before before too long. Um, he asked a great question, which is, do you like Thrawn's portrayal in Rebels? Uh, I've got a nuanced answer to this. I want to give you guys a second to think about it. Do you like the way Thrawn is portrayed in Rebels? I'm going to say yes and no. Yes, I like the things they honor about him from Legends. So I think the best things mm-hmm. about Thrawn in Rebels are the things that they borrowed from legends. I love his you know, the way he's able to interpret, you know, Sabine's art for example. And it's cool that you've got a character in Rebels that's her whole thing. She loves to decorate stormtrooper helmets and Mandalorian armor and she you know loves spray paint. 
Um, so one of the main characters is an artist that works really well for Thrawn. I loved seeing Thrawn in media. I, loved just, I think Mad, uh, Lars Mikkelsen did a phenomenal job with the voice. Um, loved loved some of the the outsmarting the rebels with you know battle tactics and decimating Phoenix Squadron. I did not like, however, how many times the rebels escaped, and he was like, "Oh, it's all part of the larger plan. This was but a <laughs> barely a setback." And uh, it was a lot of like the TV uh, TV show animation mustache twirling villain of "We'll get him next time, Scooby." Um, what, what do you think, though, guys? Yeah, I think it was like the constraints of what his purpose and need was for in that show as the yeah. villain. I don't think uh, my my hot take is I don't think Filoni writes gets Thrawn fully, and I don't think he writes him super well. <laughs> Okay, so I've got a more generous. Uh, yeah, taste. he's he's more aligned with legends, legends original or like OT yeah. trilogy, like right. villain. But I think that there's some there's some aspects where you're like Thrawn would have a plan for that. Sure. Right. Yeah, and he got beat by a space moose. So at least there's that. Shout out to our friend <laughs> oh, Emma who oh rides her moose, moose. <laughs> moose to college. Meg, you're our resident <laughs> Rebels stan. What's your take on this? Uh, is what do you think of Thrawn in Rebels? Uh, do you do you like his portrayal in Rebels? Um, I can never say anything bad about Rebels ever. Um, sorry, I can't do it. <laughs> I've got a few uh, things to say. <laughs> no, I love you want to fight? You want to fight it. about I it? I love it. I'm just messing with you. <laughs> Rebels is very important to me. Um, I'm I'm trying to remember because I don't remember the exact timing, but I, I will say that Rebels was a very, very early introduction to Thrawn for me. Um, I don't remember what books I'd read before I'd seen that. Not very many Thrawn before I saw Thrawn and Rebels. So like, okay, to yeah. me, uh, Thrawn, my origin with Thrawn is Rebels. So... Right. Um, he is very much like the villain character in Rebels because that's just what his purpose is. And like in the books, he's not especially like he's not that really. He's, you know, more of the anti-hero or whatever you want to call him. Not necessarily right. like the villain as he is in Rebels. But I, I think for the purpose that he serves, um, it works really well. And he comes in in season three, which is the best one. So is it? Do you want to fight me? No, no, I don't mean <laughs> that sounded more. <laughs> facetious than i intended i you know <laughs> i had it? never thought what is the best rebel season that's not listen, a question i'd ever listen, ask myself. i i three will and four, i definitely. can go on for hours about season three don't worry about it it is i all right i i think i've only seen season three twice season one season four once so i might be oh. due for a rewatch uh-huh. it's, it's, it. there's a lot of i got a lot of legends video games to play as do you meg you gotta play kotor uh yeah you're right Freddie, what's your take on this? Uh, Thrawn and Rebels, have you seen it? Yeah, I've, I've seen it. I, I'm not a... I wouldn't say that I'm not a fan of Rebels, as I like Rebels. I like... I mean, put a Star Wars in front of me. It doesn't matter what it is. I'm going to like it. Yeah. Uh, it, it just... I'd never clinged on to it as, as hard as I did with, like, the uh, the Clone Wars and uh, especially uh, Gandhi Tardavos- Tardavosky. I oh, mean, I'll never say his name right. <laughs> okay. You can say it for me, Jared. Tardakovsky. Tardakovsky. 
That's there you right. go. <laughs> it's like we're going to the symphony. We're going to hear a nice Tartakovsky. <laughs> uh, so that that was that's what I focused a lot on. And Rebels, it was it was good. I liked it. There was nothing wrong with it. But I never really dug into it as much. So, but when when <laughs> I'll tell you what though, when I heard Thrawn was coming out, that's that's what got my attention. So I, I started yeah. paying attention to that. And when I got the vibe, I was, I was like, oh okay, this is the. I I wasn't sure which way they were gonna go with Thrawn. You know, and and when I started watching it, I was like, they went with original Thrawn that I know of. Right. This yeah. is the Thrawn. The 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 evil ruthless Thrawn, the heir of the Empire Thrawn, and and I was okay with it. I liked it a lot. The only thing I didn't like, and and I guess it just comes the nature of television, right? Is how do we make these people survive the next round, right? And yeah. and I know his whole point was eventually to to find as many of the rebels that he could to wipe out, but at the same time, I think there there might have been better ways to do it because I honestly didn't feel like the the core team really should have been able to escape from somebody like him, right? I feel like, how, how did you guys manage that? Come on, like the ragtag group, I don't think you're that, you're on that level, especially from what I know of Thrawn, what I've seen in the books. You've got to be a, a strategy genius <laughs> yeah, to do this, that, right? This scrappy little crew, like they can outsmart Thrawn. <laughs> yeah. Ezra, like Ezra can outsmart Thrawn. Ezra, Ezra, Ezra. Oh my gosh. So that's my thought, hate right? It's, it's just, uh, it's the nature of television. That's all I, all I chuck it up to. Yeah. yeah, that's yeah. good. One thing I haven't said yet is I, there's no use Salamari. Uh, I love those <laughs> things. I, I like my Thrawn with a big yellow lizard on his shoulder. And if you don't have Actually, a yellow lizard, he doesn't have my stamp of approval. I, I want to see a lizard on his freaking shoulder. I want to see... All right, whatever comes next with Ezra and Thrawn, first of all, please kill off Ezra. Second of all, I want to see them discover... I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm just messing with y'all. I want to see... I just shot first like Greedo. All right. I want to see... I want to like see Greedo. them stranded on a random planet having to do like a trek through the jungle like Luke and Mara did in Heir to the Empire. I want to see like a reverse of that, but with Thrawn and Ezra. And then uh, they find like a some Salamari and then Thrawn's like, I like him. And then he just keeps him on his shoulder <laughs> for the rest of the show. <laughs> And then Ezra can't use the force on him. And but Ezra like likes animals, that's his thing. And so like they get some pet salamari and that's as far as my idea is. And um, we'll keep workshopping it. I'm kinda liking it. All right. This has been a lot of fun. Can't wait to continue this conversation next week, Cheryl. We're gonna talk about all about the overarching questions, we're talking about more connections to Survivor's Quest, we're gonna talk more about the Vagari. Um, we're going to talk about Thrawn. Is he a better uh, Zon? Is he a better sequel era writer, uh, uh, original trilogy era writer, prequel era writer? We got a lot of fun stuff to dive into next week. Coming up, also next couple of episodes to be paying attention to next week, of course, is going to be our second part roundtable on Outbound Flight. Uh, from there, we are also going to be doing coming up soon a uh, review, a roundtable on the Star Wars Insider Fiction Collection. If mine ever shows up in the mail. And then the next roundtable coming up after that with a few other kinds of episodes sprinkled in there just for fun. Uh, eventually coming up in June, we will do the Shadows of the Empire crossover event with the Cosmic Force. So looking forward to that. We have War of the Bounty Hunters just started this week in Marvel Comics. And in a lot of ways, it's paying homage to the old school Legends classic um, Shadows of the Empire, which I yet have yet to ever crack open. I have never touched it. And just pulled it off the shelf yesterday. I'm thinking about starting it. It might happen. It's going to happen for when we talk about it. And I can't wait to do that. Looking forward to that a lot. Uh, Cheryl, have you ever read Shadows of the Empire? I don't think so. 
Well, now you're going to have a good excuse. memory for books that I've read like a super long time ago. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. How about you, Meg? Uh, no. Great. Hey, it's going to be new for all of us. Uh, Freddie, I didn't ask you. Have you read it yet? Uh, of course. <laughs> yeah, of course. Yeah, it's, I like it. It's a staple. It, it, it's a staple. It definitely is. And that timeline, that time frame when when we were in a Star Wars drought, that was that that was the thirst quencher. Cool. Yeah, it's 96, I think. Man, yeah. that's just right when I was getting into Star Wars. I'm so excited. All right. Yeah. I've started picking up the Shadows of the Empire action figures. I've got Boosh already. I've got uh, Shizor. Um, I almost bought Dash Rendar at the store the other day, and I passed on Dash. I felt like Dash needed to be passed on because that's like his whole thing. He's like the wannabe <laughs> Han Solo. He's like your second choice. So next time I'll go back and get him. But I'm only going to get him if I can also buy the Outrider, which they also sell at my store. It's like 165 bucks, And it's like, do I need to spend that much on a plastic spaceship? Yes, but I don't want my wife to find out about it. So I probably shouldn't have said it on the podcast. But she doesn't listen anyway. So it'll probably be fine. Clearly, I'm going to need Thrawn's help in plotting this out. need like a whole grand scheme and infiltration mission. Well, that does it for this week. Thanks for joining us for Legends Look Back. Thanks, of course, to our incredible patrons for your support. One of whom, two of whom are even here with us live tonight. A uh, special thank you to our friend right here, right here, right now, is Cheryl Bell. Also to Patrick Ortiz, Carl Sander on our Jedi High Council, as well as to Elizabeth Cloutier, whose name I say differently every week. Sorry about that. Jason Mistral and... Sally and Chris Eilerson and Freddie C on our Alliance High Command. Thank you for your amazing support. Also, if you'd like your thoughts read on the show like we've had from some of our folks live here in the chat, well, one way, of course, if you're listening on audio later, is join us live Thursday nights, 9.30 p.m. Eastern Time, 6.30 p.m. in the other time for those folks. Uh, email at Pacific Time, that's what it's called. Uh, another way is to email us at legendslookback at utini.com or send us a message in the Legends Look Back Discord channel. You can leave a comment on this episode on YouTube. should probably go back and read those sometime soon. I'm sure there's comments. Sorry, y'all. Also, find us on Twitter at Legends Look Back. Or you can find me. I'm at Jared Q. Mays. Freddie? At Wake Up Freddie. Meg? At Meg Dowell. Excellent. Always got some spicy takes over there if you want to hang out in that uh, wretched hive of scum and villainy. Also, if you'd like to buy some of these books and want to help support the show, you can look up a book on Utini. Click the Amazon link in the profile. And uh, you can, of course, click through to Thrift Books or eBay. I think we got those over there as well. Grab your copy of Outbound Flight. Get the paperback. Get the Kindle, the audio book. It's abridged, but it's pretty long. It's pretty good. Also, uh, you could get your shorty hardback or your regular size hardback. Doesn't matter. Read the book. Then let us know what you think. Leave us a review. We'd love to know <laughs> how you rate this bad boy. Do you put it higher than Meg, lower than Cheryl, somewhere in between, or neither? Hey, we can't wait to hear. Remember, of course, regardless of how you rate Outbound Flight, let's keep the Eugene fan code and also be a force for positivity in the fandom. Good night, everybody. May the force be with you. This is a Utini Broadcast.